Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 152. I have the wonderful Dr. Kelly Holderman joining me today. Uh, She is such a, a wealth of knowledge. She coined the phrase, or should I say phase, 2.5 detoxification. So as we spoke to Naomi last week about the different phases of the liver, there's a particular point in the phases of detoxification that happen in the liver that Kelly is particularly passionate about and believes is one of the keys to helping us detoxify more efficiently. Now, a lot of people, as we talked about last week on the show with Naomi Judge, a lot of people... Uh, doctors, practitioners, old school people, old school thinking say, oh, you know, you've got your liver for detoxification. You don't need to talk about detoxification. It just happens every day. Well, our livers were not designed to deal with the onslaught of environmental chemicals through our food, our personal care, our cleaning products, the way we build our houses today and with the materials that we use, the levels of pollution that we experience living in highly urban areas, etc. And so we do need to pay more attention to our livers and they do struggle, get backed up and end up recycling toxins, which is a disaster uh, when someone is trying to recover from chronic illness. Now, a question that I get often uh, is uh, why so many, you know, I love the variety of the topics, but why, you know, don't you focus on either climate change and sustainability or uh, health topics for humans. And um, newsflash, (laughs) they're all important. And the reason I'm so passionate about health topics is I've had chronic illness. I know what it feels like to not even know whether you can just get through the day, put another step in front of the other and survive. And when you're in survival, which so many millions of people are around the world today, There is no hope of you being a big picture thinker, feeling generous towards causes all around you. You're just trying to get through your day, right? I know what that feels like. And when we're in survival, we can't create. So I am passionate about getting people well uh, so that we can mobilize and do more for our communities and our planet to make a more sustainable world. So that's why both. I really believe that uh, often our health journey and our awareness building journey happens at a self-interested level first. Like, how do I get better skin? How do I lose a bit of weight? How do I not feel all this pain in my body? How do I recover well from all the chemotherapy or, you know, whatever it is, often it's a self-interested inquiry first. And the solutions are, of course, the amazing solutions we and so many people share around cleaning up our food sources, eating whole food diets, uh, you know, supporting regenerative agriculture if you're an omnivore, uh, you know, not eating all the weirdo fake vegan stuff if you're one of our vegan or vegetarian community members, uh, and really sticking to that beautiful whole foods diet. And then we clean up our skincare and then we clean up our cleaning products and then we clean up what we've got around the house from our cushions to the way we tile our floors. You know, all of that is so important. And then what do we do when we feel amazing? We think, God, I want to help other people feel amazing. And I've realized that the way I shop now helps the farmer, which helps the planet. And so then we can think big picture. So if you were ever curious about the reason for the breadth of topics as well, um, is for us to go ninja on both fronts, both our own personal health so that we can feel fantastic and get to a place of generosity uh, and energy to to do more in the world, and uh, and of course to know what it is we should do once we're there, with all of our beautiful uh, planet loving topics and people that we share on the podcast. So, um, I do I have anything else to say about that? No, little little explanation over. I just want to remind you that we have the wonderful Dr. Bronner supporting the podcast this month. One of my absolute favorite brands. And I want to share a quote with you. To forget how to dig the earth and tend the soil is to forget ourselves. Mahatma Gandhi. Smart man. Um, So regenerative organic agriculture is something that I am ridiculously passionate about. And ever since I came across it as a concept, as a way 
to rebuild soil health. And of course, if we rebuild soil health, we then rebuild the power of our soil to sequester carbon rather than be devoid of it. And when we have carbon rich soils, we have really healthy soils and all our minerals and nutrients come back. The microbiome of the soil gets better. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's such an exciting thing to focus on soil uh, as really one of the, if you, if you want to think root cause uh, of so many issues in our world today and the health of our planet as well, we do, I mean, to go as far back as you can is to look at the health of the soil. And uh, one, one of the things I love about Dr. Bronner is that David Bronner, and the rest of the executive team uh, have partnered with uh, other massive organisations to build a regenerative orga- organic agriculture certification to start uh, supporting farmers in a more structural way to build the health of our soils. Now, you know, you could just be a company that wanted to make some nice soaps and some coconut oil and try and grow every year and make tonnes of profit but Dr. Bronner's just so different. They really show us what it means to be a healthy business, not just by growth and financial growth alone as your success metric, but the health of your team, the health of the way your values play out throughout the organization and the health of what you create all around you, which is shown in how they spend the profits of the business on so many incredible initiatives for people and planet's health. You know, they're one of the champions of the um, fair pay campaign in the US for $15 minimum wage. They're champions for uh, hemp agriculture, one of the most sustainable uh, plants we can we can grow. Uh, they're champions for regenerative organic agriculture, including the farming of animals. Uh, and David's a vegan, David Bronner. So, you know, I, what I really like is that big picture gray area embracing thinking where it's about moving forward rather than trying to move people onto your own unique ideology. And, uh, and it really is commendable. So the work that they do in regenerative organic agriculture is just wonderful. And I've shared a couple of beautiful little short films in the show notes today. Uh, and I'll share them over in the Low Tox Club as well. Thank you to the people who continue to join us week on week and get chatting over there. You can join the Low Tox Life Club anytime you want via Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and it's $4 US a month. So it's essentially like paying a buck per podcast, but you get little mini challenges, chats, Q&A with me every now and then. Uh, some really cool stuff happens in there and 20% off all of our e-courses. So come join us in the club. Uh, and I'll share those videos there, but we also have them in the show notes today. And, uh, you know, one of the parts of regenerative agriculture that I really enjoy in the way that Dr. Bronner partners with different businesses around the world is this partnership to not just look after the soil, but to look after the health of the whole community. So the fair trade aspect of the work they do as well. Um, and, uh, they've got a mint farm in India that they work with, uh, and and there's some pretty exciting stuff happening there. So I'm, I'm going to kind of tease you with that and I'll let you have a look at the links in the show notes uh, or over in the Lotox Club uh, to, to learn more. But needless to say, uh, the super famous Pure Castile Soap with 18 different uses uh, is available to you this month with 15% off the entire Dr. Bronner range, except for bulk sizes. Your code is LOWTOXLIFE and you just head to Dr. Bronner Australia to grab that, um, that offer. Okay. So this chat with Dr. Kelly Alderman is here and I, I really, really think you guys are going to enjoy it. It really builds on what we spoke about with Naomi. I want to do a really great overview of the whole thing and some little lifestyle hacks and things we can do uh, to become better detoxifiers. And this week we're really honing in on the biochemistry so that we deeply understand what's going on and further how to support ourselves uh, to become excellent detoxifiers. It's not always easy for everybody. You know, there's genetics that come into play, epigenetics, of course, and uh, and how we live and where we live, etc. But we can all be better detoxifiers, which helps mitigate any number of things 
um, that occur when we aren't detoxifying right. So enjoy today's chat as much as I enjoyed it. Hello, Kelly. How are you? Good, good. How are you, Alex? I'm really well. I'm very excited to have you as a part of our detox theme this last couple of weeks. We are uh, really diving into this because it's a subject that a lot of people know they need to do something, uh, but a lot of people are then confused. And I think um, firstly, I'd love to just ask you how you became passionate about detoxification because there's obviously many different areas one could go into when you decide to sign up and help people with the human body. What was detoxification for you that, that became such a, a fascinating topic and such a key to helping patients? Yeah, and it actually was a liver die situation. So um, I was trained traditional medicine, was in family practice and was practicing medicine. I myself became really ill and I started to have migraines and foot drop and my health just started really failing. And it was at that point where I knew something, something was really wrong. And I was actually diagnosed with MS with multiple sclerosis. Wow. And I was, I was given, um, basically, um, a bunch of pills and a pat on the back, um, to commiserate, you know, this, this death sentence and told to go home and be with my children. Um, so up to that point, I loved medicine. I thought that, you know, every, we had all the answers. I, yes, I did see the, um, I saw the limitations to just a, a pill for every ill, but it wasn't until I was living in a diseased body that I really understood that the ramifications of my, my system and the choices I had been making, it, it caught up with me. And so um, that's when detoxification and nutrition and all these naturopathic philosophies became really important. And so I went back to school and I got a naturopathic medical degree and I used those principles such as detoxification the right way and quelling inflammation and getting to the root cause. And mine was actually Lyme disease. It was a diagnosis of Lyme. Um, that I started to use those principles and I, I, I got my health back plus another 10%. So that was in around, you know, 2015 and my body was so healed using the strategies we're going to talk about that saved my life that I, we literally had another baby. We ha I, I said, this body is healed. I'm going to have another child. And so, um, we have a three-year-old now who is my healthiest child because he came from a healthy mother who put all the broken pieces back together. And that's really um, why I'm so passionate about doing this the right way. Cause like we were talking about Alex, there's a lot of information on the internet and a lot of it can get people into big trouble. And we're going to talk about today about honoring the body system of detoxification, because I really look at detox as more of a letting off the break than pushing down on the gas. Mm. So we'll, we'll get into that when we talk about detoxification. I love that you started with, you know, easing up on like letting on the brakes rather than pushing with the gas. Cause if you go too hard, you end up with a traffic jam and a really shocking, often much worse situation, right? I've experienced that myself, mold illness. You go in guns blazing thinking, right, we're going to throw everything at this. And then you're like, Oh, <laughs> I can't move. <laughs> right. I can't get and out of bed. <laughs> I'm laughing now. I was not laughing then. I can assure you. Oh. And I think, uh, uh, I speak for everyone with, uh, who's experienced um, what was deemed a chronic uh, lifelong illness um, yeah. and overcome it. You know, there are some pretty dark memories there. Um, right. But that's what makes us stronger. So let's launch into that internet confusion because it is confusing. And one person will tell you to do juice cleanses. The next person will tell you to do um, all these nutraceuticals. The next person will tell you, no, you actually need pharmaceutical drugs for this. Then, you know, and then some people will just tell you to go grounding and go meditate. Like there's so many different ways and so many different people in fairness are actually transformed by some of these modalities. Oh, sure. and, and do you feel like sometimes the confusion actually ends up lying in the fact that we don't trust and honor ourselves enough in the journey to really listen to what's working for us? Absolutely. I think that we've lost our way in that we're, just like you said, we're trying to use things that may have worked for our friends or our loved ones or our neighbors. And we're not, we're not looking at really what, what we feel as an intuition would be the best for us. And I'm not saying that I didn't try 20 different things. Mm. Certainly I did. I tried on every shoe I could 
but I wasn't um, stuck in one dogma. I wasn't stuck in, oh, I have to juice cleanse. And ju I see people when, you know, they, they get hooked on some of these things and they don't stop and it's, it's killing them. It's, it's, it's not the right fit, but they're so locked into the, I've got to juice every day for, you know, and I can't eat. So I like to run people through different mode, like all the things you just said, intermittent fasting. And then we layer on all kinds of different nutritional strategies because you have to put rubber to the road. A lot of people will say, well, you know, what did you do, Kelly? What did, what did you do? Well, you know, I, I started out as a vegan for several years and I think that led to my demise because I was just, I was, I was a junk food vegan actually, you know, I was drinking mm. Mountain Dew on call and I was eating cheese pizza. So, um, you know, that, that really hurt me. So when I was trying to get well, I, I did use the GAPS diet for a little while. And then I, and then I moved on to juicing for a little while. But I think that like you were saying, Alex, it's really important to make sure we don't get so locked into one thing because it worked for someone else and that we're, we're always trying to find the right strategy. And that's what I like about practitioners who are open to all kinds of different healing modalities. And that's, um, that's my, that's my mantra. If, if it works, and it's not going to harm you, we're going to, we're going to try it. And we're going to see what the outcome is, um, based on that person's unique physiology and unique biochemistry, unique genetics, genetics just, um, in the past five years has really changed the way I look at a, a person in my care. I don't treat SNPs, but it is a, a piece of their puzzle where it helps me. And that's where really I discovered what we're going to talk about phase 2.5 and amending phase 2.5 detoxification is truly the reason why I'm still here on earth. I know that. And it's a matter of looking at the genetic piece and then knowing that some people are susceptible to having a really faulty 2.5 and 2.5, this phase of detoxification, it means everything. It really, I feel it's the most important phase. It trumps one, two and three, um, and, and we will, we'll get there. We'll get there. Mm. So uh, let's just go there now because yeah. everyone's probably busting with it. It's like, what's 2.5? I've never heard of it before. So let's go yeah. one, two, 2.5 and three overview, and then we'll deep dive okay. into 2.5. Okay. So let's just think, um, in simplistic terms of the liver being the workhorse of detoxification. So let, I mean, the kidney does some, our skin does, but just let's think of the liver. So we have an influx of toxins. Now, there's endogenous toxins. So I'm going to use the word toxins a little bit loosely, but just stick with me. So you have endogenous toxins, things that are made in our body, like leftover thyroid hormone, leftover cholesterol, the fat-soluble vitamins, and they're done and our bodies use them and they need to be detoxified. And then you have the exogenous things as xenobiotic, xenobiotics, such as plastics and environmental toxins and heavy metals, all those things need to go into the liver. So there's the blood flow and the blood flow into the liver. And that, that, that movement is actually called phase zero. So that's the movement into the cell. So now you have your toxin inside of your liver cell, and it's going to go through typically phase one detoxification. And that's where that toxin is made a little bit more reactive. There's oxidation, hydro, um, hydrolysis, reduction, and that sets it up for moving to phase two, where it becomes the whole, the whole idea behind phase two is that it's made water soluble. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to tag something onto this, this toxin so that it can move into the bile because bile is an aqueous solution. It's 95, 95 to 99% water. And if your toxin isn't water soluble, your toxin's not leaving your body. So that's the, the flow. If you had the toxin has to go in through phase zero, get oxidized, reduced through phase one, and then changed into um, a water-soluble toxin. So now you have your beautiful water-soluble toxin all packaged up with your perfect one and two detoxification. And that needs to move through the liver cell into the bioconiculus. So there's this movement of this nice, this, this toxin, and it's moved into the bioconiculus. Now the movement of that toxin is really labor-intensive, it has to be coupled with proper bile salt formation and phosphatidylcholine status. Mm -hmm. So you have three things, and this is called phase 2.5. So if all these strings, things are not working, your phase 2.5 is broken. So your doorway, I like to think of it as a doorway, Alex. So 
if the phase 2.5 doorway is closed because you don't have, um, well, first of all, because there's things that shut it down and we're going to talk about those, but the major thing that shuts that door where those toxins can't get into the exit strategy is inflammation. Inflam mm -hmm. I mean, the root cause of disease is inflammation. So if you're inflamed, your toxin is made, it's all conjugated, but the, the door's not open. The door's not open. And if you're not making your bile salts, it, it can't flow. It, can, it, has to, it has to have that gradient to flow. And then thirdly, this is what I saw in the genetics when I started looking at people in, in my practice going, what is going on with their bile flow? Why are these people so sick? What's going on? And it, it was a phosphatidylcholine. If you don't have phosphatidylcholine, if your status is not up to par, your bile is sludgy and you can't even get your toxins into the bile. So imagine that the, in a normal situation, person's not inflamed, the toxin went into the liver, went through phase one, through phase two, it got through the 2.5 door, it's in the bile caniculus. Now, now we're talking about phase three now, so it's in there, and then that goes, flows into the intestine and through the colon and into the toilet. So that's that whole phase three movement, and that is perfectly designed, and that's our, that's our body's that's our body's toxin elimination. It's, it's a natural ability, but we live in this toxic world and things shut that down and things impair it. And there's genetics predispositions to that, that as well. By impaired, do you mean constipation? Um, absolutely. Constipation can be um, a, a downstream effect of not having proper bioflow. Gotcha. So bioflow affects cholesterol metabolism, thyroid hormone um, conversion, the motility of the gut. It, it's this golden green sludge that keeps the bad pathogens out and the good pathogens, the good pathogens, good microbiome happy. Mm. So when you're not having that bile flow through, you're going to get SIBO, right? Mm. I mean, you're going to have this terrain that's just a playing field for, for bacteria, for, um, for parasites and in uh, the constipation. That was, that's one of the signs too, is that you know, if you're, if you're not moving your toxins through, or if your transit time is slow, so let's say your toxin made it into your bile and your transit time is slow, they're going to be reabsorbed. That's called enteropathic recirculation where those toxins are reabsorbed into your bloodstream where they go to your brain and they're, I mean, they, they just auto intoxicate yourself and you feel worse. You do mm. you feel worse. Yeah. And so uh, for me, this really uh, is such a fantastic last five minutes to, to play to your doctor. <laughs> if, you're, if you're someone being told, no, no, you don't need to go on any detox programs. That's what your liver's for. Uh, but, you know, if you think about what we've changed about the world in the last 30, 40, 50 years, agriculturally, environmentally, 90% of our time inside, uh, meaning, you know, we're in uh, environments that start to grow more mould because we have more aircon and heating and, you know, changes of temperature in our houses, all the things. Then with climate change, we've got a proliferation of ticks, therefore more lime, like all of these things are not things we previously had to deal with. And, uh, and um, I just think, you know, that's what your liver's supposed to do, don't worry about detoxing, is just the most ancient, stale thinking, right? To, right. to deal with chronic modern epidemics. Right, right. And yeah. I, it just seems like a double-edged sword because you have all that against you and then it shuts down your body's ability to detox. I mean, it would be nice if it sped up your body's ability to detox. Yeah, it'd be great. Sure. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's worse. It's, um, and I think maybe we should go into the things that shut down the 2.5 door, which shut it. And we did talk about inflammation. Now I don't have, um, um, a lot of time on these podcasts to go in depth. So I write articles and I, put yeah, them your on resources are fantastic. Oh, thank yeah. you. So yeah. if you go to Dr. Kelly Halderman.com and I'm sure we'll link it in the show notes, I have an article and it says, are you inflamed? And it says, print this and bring it to your doctor because it's labs that we the allopathic, the, the normal traditional medical doctor, they would, they would see those as possibly being normal. But when you're looking at those labs, things such as your ferritin status, your RB, um, your, your um, red cell distribution width, there's things on there that are, that are, you, you just have to have a trained eye, but they're saying that you're inflamed. It's not just, is my CRP high or not? That's not enough to say if someone's inflamed or not. You could have a low lowish CRP um, um, and, all, and be inflamed. So 
I like to direct people to that to help them. Am I inflamed or not? That's a really important piece. Now, inflammation can can mask as a, a well, can actually display as a thousand different diseases. I'm inflamed. I have hypertension. I'm inflamed. I have migraines. I'm inflamed. I have arthritis. Right. So mm. it's it's really hard to 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 point to one thing. But I would say if you're struggling with any sort of chronic disease or you don't feel well if you have chronic fatigue or um, something's not right, I would say that the world we live in really predisposes us to being inflamed. Um, so we're up against that. So that's the number one thing in my practice. Um, I learned this from Dr. Eric Bocavage, who was one of your guests, the thyroid experts. And we just got done writing a book on thyroid. Oh, so that's exciting. That should be out in the fall. So that's going to be really exciting. But he taught me when you're looking at trying to trying to um, quell all the inflammation. You want to look at four categories. So you look at physical, chemical, emotional, and microbial. Mm. So it's never really one thing, really, is it, in this world never. we live in? It's not, Mm-mm. never. I mean, and, that, and that's the hard part of moving people who are used to like a pill for every ill. And yeah. trying to work with people saying, we're going to inventory everything physically going on with you. Are you a mouth breather? How's your sleep? Do you have subluxations? Do you have energy blocks in your body? You know, chemical. What are you putting on your body? What are you washing your hair with? You know, what have you been exposed to? You know, we're doing testing to find out in that category. Microbial. Do you have viruses? Do you have Lyme? Do you have mold? I mean, you have to look all through these. And then emotional. We know that you can be um, perfectly physically healthy, but if you're in a, a toxic relationship, if some, if your job's really stressful that that'll lead to inflammation. We know when we get stressed out, we can get ulcers. So I'm constantly going back to those four pillars, physical, chemical, emotional, microbial. And I wrote an article on this on my website as well and talk to people about, we have, this is, this is not a one and done. This is a, what do we come into the table with this week? I I was in Pennsylvania last um, week presenting and um, I had my own seminar and the room was so moldy. Oh no. I had that too last week and it just, it floored me because I'm still in recovery and I've still got a couple of really high levels. I I did the mycotox test from Great Plains. And, um, and so I still, if I do go into an environment that's moldy right now, I'm extremely sensitive still. And, uh, right. oh man. And the well, that happened beautiful audience, shout out to any for everyone who was there. Cause they know my story. They were like, okay, let's open the windows. Let's get the air conditioner off. Let, you know, yeah. everyone even knew what to do. It was so lovely. And I felt so supported. Um, well, and nice. I had three fellow moldies in the room that could confirm that they did not feel well in that space. So it yeah. is hard. It is hard. Isn't it's in, it? It, yeah. in your, it's just your, it, it, your environment changes and then those physical, chemical, emotional mm. things change. So we're, we're always working on, on those things. So, um, and, and that's where there are some nutraceuticals. There's, you know, sulforaphane is a, is a really heavy hitter. It helps to actually open up the phase 2.5 door. I love that. I love molecular hydrogen. You know, there's little tweaks but it, I, I, I'm really against um, using just supplements and not addressing those physical, chemical, emotional, and probial. We just have to go back to them. You know, there's really no magic pill. There's things that we have to assess for our um, people who have micronutrient deficiencies because that's really important. Mm. Um, but Can I but, just um, interrupt there? Because uh, molecular yeah. hydrogen is something that not a lot of people know about yet. Uh, I've heard a couple of people talk about it, but I'd love you to share why that's uh, a particular nutraceutical that you like. Sure. So molecular hydrogen upregulates the NERF2 pathway. So the NERF2 pathway has been called the anti-aging pathway, the fountain of youth, because um, upregulating the NERF2 releases all of our um, glutathione and catalase, our antioxidants. Um, So the, the beauty of molecular hydrogen, number one, is that it has been studied. It has, it has 3000 clinical trials. I mean, if you go to molecular um, hydrogen institute if you google that or synergy science the the studies behind it are so robust so i always i don't speak from opinion i'm more of a PubMed person where if i Mm. say something i can point to the study and i can show you exactly where that is so i love it because it's well studied and i love it because it's actually a selective modulator meaning that a lot of the times when we're taking supplements we're taking antioxidants we're flooding the system and it might not be a good idea if 
we have cancer or if we have an infection, we need a balance. It, I mean, isn't it all about balance? But really, the antioxidant oxidant status is really important with Lyme and mold and cancer. So what molecular hydrogen does is it, it will selectively upregulate that pathway when the time is right, when the body decides. So they've done this, they've done this studies and um, they have some really neat animal studies where they showed um, they had rats exposed to uh, mercury and they had pre-treated them with molecular hydrogen and you, and you usually in the form of water, you, you put a tablet in water or you, or you have a machine. And when the exposure happened, that's when the pathways were upregulated. Oh, like, wow. That's great. So that's really, really neat. And I have resources on my website about molecular hydrogen as well. So that's one of the things that I think that, um, especially if you invest in um, like an echo uh, hydrogen machine, they're about $2,500 and your whole family, your, I mean, your neighbors can come over and drink the hydrogen water. And, and again, there's studies on um, arthritis and cancer and, um, you know, you name it. There's a lot of them that uh, athletics, a lot of people are using molecular hydrogen because they did studies in soccer players and their endurance went way up and their lactate levels went way down. Oh, wow. Like, I love that. I know. I love that objective data when, it, when you look at um, studies. So, um, so those are kind of some of the tricks that I use for, for inflammation. And I am going to be writing a book. I, it is in process on these, these, um, the things that shut down phase 2.5 and kind of just the flow of this podcast. So, um, I sh that should be out too um, this fall. But those are really some of my tricks is that I do like things like sulforaphane and I do like things like molecular hydrogen. Um, and then I also um, formulated a product that's a bile, bile um, stimulant and it has in it artichoke, dandelion, um, some glycine, some taurine to, to help make bile. Um, and then also some phosphatidylcholine. So I made that with professional health products. I actually made it for myself because <laughs> I don't have a gallbladder. And I oh, knew really? That. That's interesting. You had it take, taken out? Taken out when I was 20. And I have no real idea why. It's just that's what they told me I needed to do. Wow. Um, and there was a study published in October 2018. Um, I can't remember what journal off the top of my head, but it said MS linked to alterations in biometabolism. Hmm. I'm like, Really, because six years to the day after I had my gallbladder removed, I was diagnosed with MS almost. So, wow. Uh, yeah. So, it, I mean, we think of bile, and I really don't think we take it seriously enough. I think if, if we really focus on this phase 2.5, optimizing bile production, optimizing postalcholine, optimizing decreasing inflammation, and then um, the other thing that shuts down 2.5 is a bad gut. Mm. And we all, we all know we have to be working on our gut nonstop. I mean, it is. And like when you travel or when we were exposed to mold or that, we just have to keep on keeping on and keeping our, and our, our guts healthy because that lipopolysaccharide, that endotoxin that comes out from a bad gut, that shuts that 2.5 door. Wow. Like, Darn it. You know, why, mm. <laughs> you know, why does it, why does it open it wider? Because you know, you need to give a bad gut and you have all these toxins running around. So um, and I, and I think I missed one point is that when you shut that 2.5 door and you made that to, that toxin, that pretty toxin, that's all packaged up with water soluble. When it doesn't have an exit strategy, it goes back into your blood hmm. and that's not good. And I think that's one of the reasons why, uh, when people start to push phase one and phase two and they're inflamed, they get a Herx reaction. Because mm -hmm. they're making more toxins, but the toxins don't have anywhere to go. Yeah. Gonna, they go right back into your into your blood, your brain, and you, I mean, all over your body. So um, that's one of the things where I'm I'm really careful with giving any nutrients that upregulate phase one and phase two without really working on on um, uh, inflammation and gut function as well. Those are some of the things I always am working on first. Mm. And you mentioned phosphatidylcholine a couple of times. How do we test our phosphatidylcholine status? Is it through live blood analysis or is there a blood test? What's the best way to kind of know whether we need help with that? So in my practice, what I have done, because I haven't, now I'm open to suggestions here, email me, but what I do is I measure phase angle because phase angle is an indirect measure of our cell membrane, our cell membrane health. And our cell membranes, it, most of the constituents of it is a, is a phospholipid, so mm -hmm. phosphatidylcholine. So when I have people come in and their, and their phase angle is low, below seven, 
I start to think, okay, this could be part of the picture. And I will tell you this is that I have not had one person come in who, who I think their bile is not working. They're inflamed. Their, their face angle is low. They need phosphatidylcholine. They need lipids. They need an oil change as Dr. Andy Heyman talks about having an oil change for the body. I think that's really super important. Um, so that's what I use a BIA, a body impedance device, really cheap, just electrodes on the, on the, um, arm and one on the leg runs it through. Um, and then I use that as a, as a guide. So I'll say, okay, your phase angle is low. I think personally that that correlates with a low phosphatidylcholine status. I don't think your bile's flowing. So let's put you on some phospholipids. Let's put you on some phosphatidylcholine. Let's put you on my phase 2.5 product. And let's remeasure your phase angle again. And, and of course, you ask qualitative things as well. How, do you, how are you feeling? So I like numbers and I like to hear that the patient's doing well. But as far as I, as I, as I know, there's not an, a blood test for mm. phosphatidylcholine status. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know it was one of my favorite supplements uh, when I um, had mold illness really bad. Like it was, it was incredible. Mm. It was such a nourishing feeling. It felt like it just got my cells doing their job better, you know, mm. and um, right. yeah, it's good stuff. Um, so you've mentioned the gut a couple of times. What are some of your best tips you know, someone comes in and they've got their guts ripped apart because of chronic inflammation, illness, and maybe just a junk food diet for the first 30 years of their life, whatever it was. Um, how do you go about helping support gut health? I think the first thing I like to do is obviously just, just what are you eating right now? What, where are we at? And so many people are at so many different points um, of that. Some people walk in and they're eating fast food. Some people walk in and they've tried everything and they, you know, tried the vegan diet and this diet and this diet. So I, I like to, um, I like to take out all the offending foods. I like to go through and and do an uh, anti-inflammatory diet. And, and then I tweak it depending on what a GI map, like the GI map, I'll have that come back. And what do we need to do? I don't throw in probiotics too soon. I don't, um, I, I like to use, um, you know, things like glutamine, L-glutamine and some people, you know, I mean, these are, this is really like, depending on the person, I mean, mm. carnosine, I, I like GI re- or the, um, uh, Zach Bush's restore. I like yeah. that. And some people that's good stuff. Um, and really trying to seal up those, those, um, leaky, leaky guts, you know, a lot, a lot of vitamin fat soluble vitamins and, really trying to get that bile flowing. That's really what I think um, is, is missing is we're really, um, we were trying to work on that gut, but yet God gave us this beautiful substance to keep the terrain nice and healthy. So I've, I've um, been able to really pull back on supplements, 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 and I'm trying to just get the bile flowing. And then I feel like it's coming together a lot faster for people. And, uh, uh, you know, of course I'm a big fan of prebiotics and, and all kinds of, um, is supportive nutrients if need be. But I I think I'm making really a lot of progress and I'm keeping people out of the revolving door of SIBO when you're correcting the bioflow. And do you believe that different people suit different diets? Absolutely. Yes, I do. And I I think that's again, where you, um, you can use testing, um, you know, you can use, um, you can use a lot of different things, but I think that you have to try. You have, and, and it can be confusing because you could have a delayed reaction. You could eat a food on Tuesday and react to it on Thursday. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a perfect world. I will refer out to um, uh, a friend who is a dietitian and she does the mediator response test, the MRT mm-hmm. test. And she trained for several years to be able to do this test. But the MRT test is um, something that I'm finding really valuable because it's more of a mediator response. And when people get that blood test back and they're, and they actually avoid those food, they, they really turn around really fast. And it's almost like they can figure out really quickly. Like for me, I did this test and I, and I came back positive for onions. I'm like onions. I love onions. Well, then I took them out and I'm like, Oh wow. I feel a lot better not eating onions. And I had no idea that. So I really, I really like that, that test a lot. And I, and I will rotate people through, um, a lot of different things. And then, um, just trying to, to get them aware, trying to get them aware. And I want, 
I always want people to feel like they're empowered. It's their body. Their body's designed to heal. It will heal. I, you know, it, it will. We just have to remove, remove some things, quell the inflammation down. Mm, absolutely. Um, and then linked to all of this, of course, are a couple of things that always come up um, when we're talking about poor detoxification for many, many people is the thyroid connection and resistant weight loss. Uh, so mm. let's talk, seeing as we're in the gut, let's start with the resistant weight loss. Um, okay. What is the connection between poor detoxification and people becoming heavy and sluggish? Okay, well, I have a really simple answer, and I kind of um, borrowed this from Anne Louise Gettleman. And I think that when you can't get those toxins out and they have to go back into your blood, your body holds on to adipose fat tissue so that it can, it can sequester those toxins so they don't kill you. The first, the first law is self-preservation. The body's trying to stay alive. And so why wouldn't the body hang on to copious amounts of adipose tissue to protect you. So if you can get that 2.5 door open and you can get those, your body will do this all by itself. Just remove the inflammation. You start to get those toxins out and your body doesn't need that fat anymore. It's mm. like, oh, I'm good. I'm fine. So I know you probably found this in your practice is that when people try and lose weight really fast, they, they don't feel well at all because, because the body's like, I need that. Why are you taking that away? Where's this toxin going to go? I've seen creatinins rise. I've seen brain fog get worse. Um, so I feel the way, the best way to lose weight is again, take off the brakes of your detoxification, lessen your inflammation. Yes. It sounds crazy to some of people who I take care of to try and try and really explore like the emotional health, the physical, the you know, and I talk about that, but when we start digging in all those, they're so cumulative and they're like, I lost five pounds, you know, and I, I wasn't really trying and I didn't get on a new thyroid supplement or anything like that. It's just that natural biochemistry, it's going to work whether, you know, you like it or not. So that's really where I'm coming from. But the, um, the bioflow is connected to the thyroid and I, and I, I won't go into that because I, um, yeah, Eric Belcavage, the book, read our book. It's called the thyroid debacle. Um, he goes into that and how important bile flow is for, um, for thyroid health and, um, and the gut connection and all that. So we're all working, you know, if we just take that look that 30,000 foot view and we look at optimizing the gut and, um, and we haven't talked about the bad estrogens yet. So I do Dutch tests uh, and you've had Dr. Carrie Jones, who's amazing. Um, I do Dutch love Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Yeah, love <laughs> Carrie. Love Carrie. Um, we look for bad estrogens because they will shut down phase 2.5. And it's kind of, that makes sense too. So people with um, estrogen dominance, you know, they're a little heavier and, and the toxins and they, they, they struggle with that. So um, we'll always take a look at, at, at the um, hormone status as well on, uh, on patients. Mm. And so when we start to liberate these toxins by reducing inflammation, is, the, is there a symbiotic relationship where that by default also then starts opening up the phase 2.5 door to get them out instead of create the Herx reaction? Because a lot of people worry about that. I think, I think that the body is really smart and that's what happens. I think that when you're honoring this system, when you're thinking phase 2.5 needs to be honored first, not, not phase one, not phase three, but really that one first, I think then the, that's, that's just the natural flow of, of the body. And it, and it will then realize that, okay, we're in a state now where we can start to have some of those toxins exiting. And I, and I do think it is a good idea um, in, in selected population. And in, this is as per your doctor that you can bring a binder on board. So in binders, uh, work in that phase three and they're in that insurance policy that once that toxin makes it through that 2.5 door, it's in the bile, it's in the gut that it's binding and it's not having that enteropathic recirculation. So I am a, fi a fan of using comprehensive binders. And I formulated one again for myself because I was tired of grabbing the charcoal and the bentonite clay and the chlorella. And I was tired of, I'm like, can someone just put this all in one capsule please? So that I could just take it at nighttime. And so I formulated that too. And I like to use that really low and slow because some of, um, 
some of what we consider binders such as chlorella, they can kind of, they can kind of stir things up a little bit. So you want to really make sure you're, you're, you're working that bioflow. You're getting that artichoke. Um, phase 2.5 is a product that I formulated um, to help support all that, your phosphatidylcholine, and then start to pepper in some of the, the binders. And then, and then that'll help really get, have them all end up in the toilet. Yeah, amazing. And we've talked about a lot of illnesses that uh, give us the clue that 2.5 isn't working properly. Um, are there sort of less uh, diagnosable cases where this is something we can tweet as a preventative strategy and go, oh, there's a niggle here, there's a little thing I'm kind of feeling sometimes here, you know, let me work on that phase 2.5 because I feel like we don't want to wait until like, you know, the shit hits the fan, excuse me guys, sorry for swearing, but like mm -hmm. that moment where you have the apocalyptic, oh, maybe I've got to change what I'm doing. What, sure, what sure. are those earlier signs? Sure. So um, right upper quadrant tenderness, that's where your liver is right there. Um, belching after meals, just feeling like you're not digesting any, anything, floating stools, pale looking stools, um, you know, dry skin or just those signs that you're not absorbing your fat soluble vitamins. So it could be low vitamin D, low vitamin A um, status. And those are just kind of the things that I always look for, but it doesn't exclude the fact that we need to work on bioflow. That's where that genetic piece came in, Alex, because I'd start to look at people and go, okay, the, the American government came out with a study several years ago that said that 75 upwards of 75% of the population is deficient in phosphatidylcholine. So if they did that study and then I have someone who, who on, I see their genetics on paper that they're not very good at making their own. I'm thinking we need to get on board with this. We need to really eat foods that are high in phosphatidylcholine. That's eggs and almonds. Most people can't tolerate that if you have a bad gut. So I like, I like to um, have my kids are on phosphatidylcholine. Um, I gave them some bad genetics, but I just think that that's an important strategy of keeping the bile flowing. When you don't have phosphatidylcholine, your bile is sludgy. Your bile is mm. very sludgy. And um, especially if you've had a history and you're a woman of a plugged milk duct when you're breastfeeding, or if you've had um, uh, gallbladder disease or gallbladder issues when you're pregnant, those are like red flags that your phosphatidylcholine status may be low. Um, if, your body, if, your, if your provider can do um, a, a BIA, body analysis, impedance analysis, and your phase angle's low, that's for me something where I'm like, well, you know, again, if you're not gonna do any hurt and it's hard, it, you're not gonna do any hurt and can help, and I think that that's really important. Um, and then also your ability to make bile. So again, that's where I looked at the genetics and I'm like, all these people with these gut issues and with this inflammation and with these diseases, on paper, on these genetics, they're not really, they don't look too good at making bile. So if you can't make bile, it's, it's, uh, that's a setup. So, um, that's an article on my website. So if you, if you want to, if the listeners yeah, I was going to ask, that, so do you, do yeah. you actually mention the particular genes that you look at in that article? Yeah. And, and I can yeah, mention them right now. So I look at the pink gene. So pink gene. So acetyl-CoA is your building block. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have this acetyl coa, if you're not producing it, then you're not going to make your downstream products. And one of them is bile. So I look at the ACAT genes, A-C-A-T. I look at those. I look at the pink. So the ACAT is responsible for the acetyl. The pink is responsible for the coa, acetyl coa. Um, a lot of practitioners are loving pantothene for all its other effects. I love it because it gives that coa. So you're going to, you have that building block. So pink, P-A-N-K, acetyl, um, or ACAT, P-E-M-T is the one to look for, for phosphatidylcholine. Um, and then also we're looking at the, um, this gets a little complicated, but it's the ABCC2. That mm -hmm. is actually the 2.5 transporter. So think of it this way, Alex. Some people are born with a little tiny door and we know this, right? Some people are like, can't drink any alcohol if I get around smoke. And it's just, it, and it's not that they're toxic. It's just the way they're born, that they're 2.5 doors, tiny, small, and they can hardly get toxins out. Some people are born with a giant 2.5 door where they're like, I drank and smoked my whole life. I'm totally mm. fine or nothing about it. Cause they have this door where they shove toxins <laughs> through. 
I, I, I have door like, envy right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I know. I'm one of those big door people, but the ABCC2 is your door. So uh-huh. if you have polymorphisms in that door, I'm telling you all the sickest of the sick who walk in my door, walk in my door, they have <laughs> tiny little ABCC2s. They have, they have um, polymorphisms that make that door really small. Um, so there's strategies that you can use to open it um, up. And again, that's decreasing inflammation. Um, there is a study that goes into um, St. John's wort, but uh, of helping that, that 2.5 door. But again, St. John's wort, we get a little bit nervous with interactions with things. So, um, you know, that's not my medical advice. It's just a study and always check with your practitioner with anything, you know, that I'm saying um, specifically. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's things that you can use. And um, and, and those are the, those are the genetics that I, that I look at and I, that I noticed were off in people who were coming with SIBO all the time. And then I just started to put the pieces together. So that was kind of my aha moment. And then I took my genetics and I looked and I'm like, I don't make phosphatidylcholine very well at all. My AB or my ABCC2 is teeny. My door is teeny and I'm not good at making bile. No wonder I had problems with bioflow. No wonder I got my gallbladder out. You know, I mean, it was no wonder I got MS. I mean, with the links that they're, they're, um, they're saying, I just, I had, my terrain was just really compromised. Mm. And uh, so in terms of when you look at those genes, you find them in someone and then is it the alleles that you look at or the um, SNP status, heterozygous, homozygous, um, That's what I, like. I look at the, yeah. um, I look at the risk allele and the, um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in between, um, you know, we used to use 23 and me and then they cut out a lot of the things that were mm. important. So I'm kind of in between, um, sometimes I use, um, functional genomic assessment to get the data and then to run it through. I'll use that, but yes, I, I will look for, um, the, the risk allele and is it homozygous or heterozygous? Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Just like MTHFR. Just yeah, like yeah. MTHFR. Yeah. And how do we stop people from uh, treating these statuses as, uh, as illnesses? Like, you know, this for me is more of a psychological thing. You know, people literally explain to people, oh, I'm MTHFR, as if they were identified as <laughs> that gene. And I think we need to be really careful as we navigate this brave new world of getting to know ourselves better at the DNA level, uh, how we then don't use those labels um, that exist in our DNA. They, they, they're there, that's fine. Um, and, and then start creating an emotional cascade that can potentially create stress for us because we then right. think, oh, I, there's something wrong with me. I'm faulty. How, how, you know, like maybe even how did you personally uh, feel empowered by that data rather than scared that bad things are going to happen because of that data? I, I will say uh, at least once a day I get the, I haven't teach too far. What about, you know, the panic and the, yeah. the horror. <laughs> I, and I just calm down. It's okay. You know, we, we go over the, the epigenetics and how they're very important. Um, I, I will say that there's, you know, turning off and turning on of genes and that if you want to talk about retroviruses, which you could do a whole podcast on that and that they can, can create some of those polymorphisms. So um, it's not as easy as we think. It's not a death sentence. It's not it. And I really, um, and this is in our book, the thyroid debacle, I think in terms of the cell danger response, and I, I know you have, you've had guests talk about that, where your body, your body is designed to go into that self-preservation mode. And sometimes having that polymorphism is actually helpful because we're mm-hmm. trying to get rid of a pathogen. And so if, if, if what's really been successful for me is not to look at those genes and SNPs and, and, and you know, over-treat or under-treat, but but look at the reasons why, why is this happening? And I think that was one of the biggest um, reasons myself where when I looked at all my genetics, I thought, well, this makes sense. But how I got over, how I got 110% over this was going back to those foundational, the gut work, the physical, the chemical, the emotional microbial. And we, and I go over it, like I said, go over it um, weekly with my, with my own body. Like, where am I at? what am I, you know, and I, and I keep in the back of my mind that yes, I do have things. I do have MTHFR, 
I do have the PEMT. I do have those, but that just helps me know myself better and where my weaknesses are. And it helps empower myself. And so whenever I'm having people who want to use that genetic piece, because it's not something that I require, um, I'll say, you know, this is going to be so helpful for you to understand your body better um, and what it may need. And, you know, even, even saying that statement, that clarifying statement there, that sometimes you'll, you'll think that putting them on a certain supplement because their genetics looks a certain way, sometimes you'll think that's good and they won't feel good. So then that's another piece of data. When I put somebody on something, when they don't feel good, it's just as important in my brain of trying to figure out, okay, where does this fit in the cell danger response? Where does this fit in what the body's trying to do? Because the body's so, so smart in trying to override and push things. Like we started off this conversation about detoxification and how, you know, we can Google and push, push, push. But um, I really think stepping back and just honoring, it's all there. It's all working all day and all night you know, work on things like sleep, work on things like, you know, again, digestion, and you will get so much bang for your buck. It's so true. And uh, in the low tox club, we're just about to do a sleep challenge. So that is perfect timing. Um, And because people are challenged by sleep, right? And, uh, and it's just one of the greatest keys. It doesn't even need to be huge amounts of sleep. It just needs to be great quality sleep. Um, sure does. Such such a key uh, component to to health, and I really love what you just said about genes because for me the knowledge becomes an optimization tool rather than a death sentence or a you know a mm-hmm. scary thing. It's just think mm-hmm. optimization tools, and then then you'll always be positive and curious instead of mm-hmm. freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. So we've had a great conversation, uh, and we're coming up to the end of the hour. I would love to ask you in your life, you're obviously a, a busy woman. You have big ambitions to help many, many people out there. What do you do to create the yin in your yang of life? So I'm a type A person. So I really have to really work really hard on, on, on even thinking the yin out. is important yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, right. So I have to do that. There's the cat. So I have to do that in order to um, really balance myself out. I will forget and I will go into over workaholic, you know, forget about all this. And then I end up really sick. So um, I, I balance things by purposely creating a schedule where I, I work in time. I work in time to do uh, the brain tap so I can do a meditation on steroids and that, and that I don't have to sit in the Lotus position for you know several minutes. I use a lot of technology. I'm always biohacking. I am a big fan of Dave Asprey. I follow a lot of things that he recommends and, and does. And I, I, a lot of other people. So I try and, and take the 24 hours that God gives me in a day and, and optimize, um, every minute that I can with, with balance and with, um, with really trying to do the best I, I can with, um, with the the minutes that I get. But, um, really, I think what I focused on in the past um, six months and what we're just talking about is, is sleep. I have really dedicated myself to hacking my sleep. I have my aura ring, um, and 20 (laughs) (laughs) nice. And I, that has paid off so much, just all these little tiny things, right? don't look at your screen before bed and make the room cool and, you know, maybe try GABA or try different nutraceuticals and um, really just mouth taping, right? Don't breathe with your mouth open. That is, that has been, that has been a complete game changer for me. It's been, it's been amazing. So um, I try and walk the walk, right? I try and do the things that um, my, you know, that I have my patients do, um, so I don't seem like that I, you know, that I'm, I'm not trying to do the same things they are as well. Mm, practice what you teach, right? That's right. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for your time. This is such a great conversation. I really feel like uh, understanding our detoxification pathways and knowing where it gets started uh, is uh, half the battle. And for me, it feels like that's going to be a lot clearer for people thanks to your beautiful wisdom today. So I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And remember, everybody, we've got all of Kelly's details and a couple of the amazing resources that she mentioned on today's show over in the show notes, lotoxlife.com forward slash podcast, and you click on Kelly's show tile.
Thanks again, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Lotox Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lotoxlife.com and there we have everything beautifully organized into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action and there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written. You can also find me on Instagram at Lotox Life and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I make everything super easy, Lotox Life, so you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Lotox Life and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show, you're going to get bonus Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.